But she anyway. was talking. Well, then he interrupted me, so I stopped talking. That's oh, really sorry. fucking rude, dude. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I didn't want to like. I didn't want him to get rugged with the intro. So let's I mean, roll it. But uh, yeah, what? Okay, what? Welcome to Game of Nodes, a weekly podcast on the cosmos from independent validator teams. Hello and welcome to Game of Nodes, the coldest podcast from independent validator teams on the Cosmos on a weekly basis. That was the most shambolic intro I've done. It is very cold here. We were just talking about how in both in the northern and the southern hemisphere, apparently, it is hoodie weather. Um, and Schultz was going to say something probably quite interesting, and Noel just like kept interrupting him. Schultz. Profound, probably. Profound. Oh, well, you go to say something for public yeah. consumption. Pressure's on. Pressure's on. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was it was deeply uninteresting actually. It's just that the uh, the background for the game of nodes uh, server is the same background that's used by MEV Space as like their their big opening logo. This is this is MEV Space. I mean, oh. it is stolen from the internet, so <laughs> entirely possible. Not so much royalty free as just fully nicked. Is that the uh, <laughs> is that the deal? Well, um, so here's the funny part though. Uh, we've used it longer. So, oh, really? Yeah, we have. Do you have any space watching this us. podcast? <laughs> they might. Uh, if any of these space are watching this podcast, I gather that your nodes are less reliable than Hetzner. So, just that that's actually not a really helpful thing to say, is it? <laughs> just like no, no, no kind of like product advice or like feature requests. Just be like, your, your product is not as good as the competition. Just putting that out in the ether and see what comes back out. Probably not positive vibes, I would expect. <laughs> um, I've had nothing but good experience with MEV Space, honestly. I went, really? yeah, I, I got a couple servers on one month um, leases a while back, and then I had a great experience. So I did the full 12 month uh, commitment, and it's been nothing but great for me. Oh, fair enough. So that's why you recognize MEV the, Space. Yeah, MEV Space, yeah. Fuck, man. I'm like 12 months committed on so many servers. <laughs> for MEV space or for other places? Mainly OVH. I'm their bitch. Yeah, yeah ah, OVH. I, I've just moved um, some stuff to OVH and so far pretty pretty happy with their, with their stuff. Man, they've been fucking rock solid for me. The advanced ones have just been great. Yeah. They're a little yeah. bit more expensive, but they can do... Um, well, they could do the uh, SGX until like the last upgrade on um, Secret, and now they're all fucked. So now <laughs> I've got seven servers that I can't run. Fucking. <laughs> what are the what's the what's the RAM um, available on uh, Advanced One? Because I thought it topped out at thirty-two or sixty-four. One hundred and twenty-eight, you can get. Yeah, yeah. Starts oh, really? All right, okay. That's pretty good then. Like the the specs on the. I thought you had to go to the Advanced Two to get the uh, the beefy boy RAM. But you know, for for your chains like Juno that are just ram ram bastards, ram hogs. Right. God, the words the words are going to be strange today. I apologise for that. Um, yeah. So, uh, what's been happening in the cosmos this week? I can think of at least one thing. <laughs> we had another tombstone, and it's from a validator that we've seen tombstone before. Uh, pulling a bit. Oh, they, they've previously tombstone, have they? They've previously tombstone, haven't they? Mm -hmm. Right. 
Oh. I think it was Evernote, maybe, that they and, tombstoned uh, on. Okay, okay, like, I might have to, like, <laughs> go and fact-check myself here, but I'm pretty sure Everstake um, have already double-signed and tombstoned on a different chain, and I'm now going to have to go and check that because I feel like I might have lied. Um, but, yeah, no, I've... I've I, 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 yeah, I don't want to lie, but there are quite a few people, because Everstake are relatively... Uh, active i guess on like um validated private channels stuff like that and on the networks they're on both in and outside of the cosmos i've been dm'd by quite a few validators that i know in various places with like uh essentially messages saying oh i wish i could reply to this everstate message with some shady talk uh so it's fair to say i think, I think also it's a little bit of that whole punching up thing because they're such a big validator if you're a mm-hmm. You know, if you're like a smaller validator like us and you're kind of like, you know, living in fear constantly, I don't think Noel's living in fear. The rest of us are living in constant fear of double sign. And you kind of see the big boys screw up. You're a little bit like. I don't fear the double sign, man. I know I'm 1000% safe on double sign. Well, I feel mostly good. There are a couple of chains that don't work with Harcrux or any sort of remote signing solution like Odin. And anytime I have to do something with like manually copying over cubes or whatever, I just if you get the sweat. It's stressful. I get the sweats, yeah, for sure. I'm like <sighs> I found the, the best way to like, you know, make sure is you just turn off every node you have for it, destroy it, and then start a new one. <laughs> and then copy your key across. <laughs> That's basically what I do. Like my process is pretty simple. It's just like move the key out. Stop. Restart the notes. So that it spawns a new key, and then it makes sure it's not signing, and then actually move the key over. So I then, don't know why people like have the key, like move the key out. I, I think it's just best to just destroy the user, the whole fucking like user um, folder, the home folder, everything. Just kill it all, and then um, just fucking start a new one. Like that seems dramatic to me. I, I don't know. That's kind of basically what we have done in the past when we've shuffled boxes is that we uh, stop the AWS instance fully um, so that it, it actually gets unallocated in the Amazon scheduler. And if you recycle that box, it will come up on a different IP. So even if you cock up and bring the box back up, your signer can't connect to it because it doesn't know the IP and the firewall rules if you're yeah, setting it up in such a way that it can only call out to certain IPs actually needs to be cycled before it can then uh, find the correct box. Um, so when I double sign, when we double sign on uh, Uni, uh, when we bring up, so we're, we're going to be bringing up uh, DJ and Horcrux on Uni in the next few days. Um, and when our Uni validator double signs, you can laugh at me for being smug about our process for 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 cycling a remote <laughs> signer, or it will go totally smooth. And I was like, "Well, this is why we have the process. It's totally fine. We just switched it out from underneath. There's no big deal. Don't worry mm. about it." Um, so, I think the like, instructions I have are from Null, though. So, if, it, if if we do double sign, I'm just gonna be like, "Fucking hell, Null! It was your instructions." Did you read them? There's plenty of fucking warnings in there about uh, double signing. I was I was reading <laughs> yeah. them on my laptop the other day, and we're all like there's the I, I was pulling the floor up at the weekend not not important why but there's very few places in the house you can sit so i sat on the stairs working because this is how fucking sad my life is at the moment is that when i'm at home i'm literally working on the stairs and uh my wife 
walked past me and like just looked over my shoulder at what I was doing and saw your fucking DJ and Horcrux instructions. And it was and, like the first line, something like, this is Horcrux degeneracy. And then there's like a bit of like, it's like, we're now into the, the land where you double fucking sign. No, I'm kidding. You really might fucking double sign, which is like, this is the amount of random shit I've obviously talked in the last year. She was like, wait, are you risking double signing? I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> maybe it's just Noel's, Noel's written i some, hope not it's i i fucking hope not but i don't understand the I don't whole know. document is just one big disclaimer yeah kind of, <laughs> yeah. a lot of a lot of fucking disclaimer in that but correctly so right yeah correctly so, so um you know completely unrelated welcome to uh reese buttercups man i just invited him on and didn't say anyone was coming but um so the people who are listening and not looking is just showed up and patiently sat down there for the better part of 10 minutes waiting for us to get around to uh welcome him <laughs> this is classic null guest management as well welcome Reese. Uh, thanks for having me we, yeah we, we weren't gonna have a guest this week but then we were like talking about joe chain before we started and we're like hey let's get someone who knows something about that because i think you guys are doing some um you know some cool stuff there and we just want to hear a little bit about it and uh, you had like 20 to 30 minutes free. Yep. So, so, um, so, yeah, I guess, can you give us the rundown? Like, we, we kind of understand that it's like hoping that you're not enabling IBC if it's just like a bit of a joke chain, um, but also like might be doing some interesting things with your gov module that we were talking about. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, man, give us the quick rundown, eh? Yep. So Joe Chain started out as a joke and it's kind of morphed into let's actually run a real chain, real NFTs and things like that. Uh, we're building off of each Eve chain, which was initially going to be its own separate chain for like pushing it as a canary chain. So its idea was it's going to talk with Juno and be the latest and greatest. And then we'll move those features over into Juno to have those talk together. Well, I decided to push that ahead because of the whole getting uh, Cosmos DeFi, whose name is Joe, into a thousand subs on YouTube. So I they began to launch a Stargaze NFT collection of a bunch of random pictures of Joe. And the idea behind it was you get 16 unique Joes, you burn them on Stargaze, and you get the mint proceeds from all of the past mints until that time, until the next people. So that it's a revolving thing. So there was actually a game to it, but you could only mint 10 with your wallet. So there, we, we added that game feature. And then someone joked about the fact of we should launch a chain. And I was like, okay, I have the features to do that. I have the resources to do it. So I spent a couple hours. We launched up Joe Chain that night. We did an airdrop of Joe Token to all of our NFT holders that had at multiple, I think we did three or four snapshots. So we gave the, those to them. And then because we're on the latest and greatest of WASMD, Token Factory, uh, Global Fees, and all of these other features on IBC version 5, we decided let's like actually launch this and build some products on it. We're on the greatest. We can test it now before we're moving it over to Juno to you know find any issues that that there may be, and we'll talk with Juno. So we're not going to allow transferring of ICS twenty tokens over the IBC, but we are going to have IBC enabled for say interchain uh, interchain NFTs or things like that. So Putmos is currently building on it. We have a group of sixteen validators, including Chandra Station. We have Putmos. We have Notional and myself. And then uh, block pain and a few others. So we have some some pretty good people behind it. So the idea is that it's just like a bit of a it's like a canary chain that's got like no real value for the actual chain token, but just a place where people can play around and IBC out in and in NFTs and and different stuff like that. Yeah. 
Exactly. It's like a it's like a testnet chain, but we're running it on a mainnet. We had ideas initially of, you know, maybe we allow a stars to Joe pool, but now we're kind of modifying that to maybe we do a Joe pool with other Joe tokens that we meant uh, just to, to see what unique uh, value propositions we can bring to the cosmos. And like you had said earlier, with a custom governance module, I'm looking at, say, maybe you can only yes and no with veto, but it's a very quick voting period. We're thinking about roughly a day. So there's not enough time, like you have to really get into it, figure it out. But there's not enough time for the emotions to come out and to play like the other drama that we've seen in other chains. So we're interested in seeing how that works out as well. It sounds pretty cool, man. <laughs> um, I kind it, of assumed that was more satire than, uh, than <laughs> uh, functionality. <laughs> A little bit. Um, so it was basically launched uh, out of a, um, a spaces, right? Like with uh, the rack guys mainly, yeah? I don't believe the rack guys were in that one. I think that was more with uh, Sefi and... Tendermint, Timmy, and myself, and a couple others. I mean, the spaces grew up pretty big, so there was a lot of people in there. But the rat guys didn't come in. I don't think for a couple. We had already launched the chain once the rat guys decided to come in. So, uh, I, I always confuse uh, Sefi with the rat guys. I, for some reason, think that he is rat guys. Anyone can be a rat, but everyone can be a Joe as well. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a big ten. Uh... So, other other than the governance module, are there any like other? Um, you know, modules or or features that other chains just don't have yet. Like it's pretty um, at the he head, right? It's probably the for like a public chain. It's probably got some stuff that aren't present in other chains, yeah. And yeah. like especially around like you know the SDK version. Like is it forty six or forty seven? Yeah, we're on forty six on that one. We're running Wasm D five IBC version or Wasm D twenty nine point two. We're running IBC version five. We're running the newest token factory, which is getting moved into Juno. Uh, that'll be on V twelve, I do believe. Uh, once we get the integration test done with that, and then we're also running global fees from the Gaia repository, so that way that we have a set fee that we can raise via governance. So it's running the latest of everything that we that we could run the latest of. Have you run into any issues with um? Twenty, what did I say? 36? 20, 76. 46. 46. <laughs> have Have you run into issues there? Because I know, like a lot of the other chains, it's been a fucking train wreck. Yeah. Uh, one other thing I forgot too. We also have inclusions liquid staking. So we have a native liquid staking, which wraps the the standard staking throughout the app.go. And then we're also having putmoses, govmos for the liquid staking with that. And that'll be uh, dollar sign wet Joe because of liquid. So that's, that's the idea there with that. With 46, I've actually been in the Cosmos uh, for about a year now, I think a year this month. Uh, and we began building Craft Economy, the Minecraft server that was connecting with the SDK. And so that was on 46. So I've had a lot of struggles with 46, but thankfully that launching Joe on 46 was much simpler than it was back, you know, roughly a year ago. So, so Craft Economy dead mm -hmm. or? Mm. Paused for the time being. So because of the legal implications with Microsoft, all of the technical side is done, all of the blockchain integration with the Minecraft server and SDK, but we're currently paused and developers, I think it was like maybe a month or two ago. So we're just sitting on the project in the time being. The DAO is discussing further steps to go forward, but not really sure on any of that. I'm not in those conversations. Copy. Um, 
So, uh, well, I guess then we've covered Joe Chain, yeah? Yep. So, I mean, other features that we're also adding just to to further emphasize that, you know, we're going to continue to build, we'll build a DEX on top of it. So we're looking at Wasm Swap, but we may just decide to do our own custom version. Uh, but again, that'll only be with the Joe token and other tokens that we meant on the chain with the, the token factory to all coordinate with each other. So we'll, we'll gamify that some. We're going to be launching DowDow V2, hopefully within the next one or two weeks. So that way we're on the latest uh, beta of that. We'll have the ICS 721 NFTs, like I talked about for cross chain to talk with, Omniflix or you know Stargaze and things like that. Uh, I'll be launching an NFT marketplace. So I built up an NFT contract. Those will take CW721s. You'll buy it with your Joe token. So we'll be minting out with that. Um, and then also working with the Raccoon guys on you know any custom lotteries or things like that. I'll be talking with them. So there's a lot of cool things coming to it. And so, but the, at the so the ultimate goal though is that it's it's basically a canary ch chain to test out stuff that's really going to Juno at the end of the day. Exactly. Yep. All the all the features that we're bringing are going to be on a Juno eventually. So we just figured let's pull into a meme chain now and allow Juno to talk with with Joe very easily, and then go from there and see where the community decides they want to go with it. So is Eve officially dead then? Eve is not dead. However, because we are going to be moving the things into Juno, we're not sure on the use cases with Eve still because, you know, Joe's, of course, doing what Eve was originally going to do. So, but I'm we're playing Joe in a more meme-centric way, such as, you know, a Cerberus coin or something like that. So rather than being an official, like trying to be a blue chip to compete with Juno. Uh, so we're just, I'm just trying to find the way that we can mix all three together in, in a useful way to all communities arguably more value than Cerberus. I don't, I don't so. think you need to argue that. I don't think you need to argue that at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Cerberus is a shit coin, so... And um, Joe is not. Well, I mean, it has more energy behind it than Curb did, so... Uh, yeah, I mean... time of market, I guess, in the sense it's, a, uh, you know, obviously a bear versus a bull. But I think only... only Huahua was lucky enough to actually launch during well, lucky or smart enough, you know, to launch during the bull anyway. Well, they they caught the start of the bull, but um, the like at least Juno's uh, sorry, at least uh, uh, Chihuahua's like they're sort of moving their chain along, they're still developing and implementing stuff and getting partnerships and, and that. Whereas Kerberos, I don't think, has done anything right. Yeah, it's a dead project, I think. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, Curb was like, I think, the tipping point for, oh, shit, yeah, you can just throw up any old shit as a chain and people will go along with it for a bit, but the novelty's fucking worn off. I think that was the that was the tipping point, wasn't it, really? Uh, every chain since then has had to have a little bit more effort behind it to even, like, I guess not trip over its shoelaces on the starting blocks and then just shit its pants on the floor, which is kind of what... Um, Wow. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm oh, yeah, very tired. The last month has been incredibly trying, and uh, I'm not in a, I'm not in a sugarcoating it mood at the moment. But it's it. Yeah, I mean, it really did feel like with that chain, it just sort of like it was like one of those memes of the rocket just going bam. Well, hold on. I, so I think part of the issue with that though was its tokenomics distribution. They did a one to one send to anyone that had the Chihuahua token, that doesn't make any sense at all, right? Because then they would have no no need to buy in and they would sell immediately. I think that's where they went wrong. I think it, they could have, I think they could have milked it a little bit longer if they hadn't done that. 
Yeah. In fairness, the Huahua tokenomics are pretty fucking batshit, aren't they? So that's also that. I mean, like, it, it'd be, I'm always kind of interested to see like a shit chain or like a meme chain launch. Uh, Joe's don't shit their pants, says Ben Davis in the chat. That's correct. Um, I'm almost like curious to see like, a, this is the thing about Joe chain. I don't know what the, the, I know you don't have a mint module, right? But uh, so that's the only thing I really kind of think I, I think I know about the tokenomics. But I was kind of, I'm kind of interested to see how you launch a meme chain in the beginning of like the bottom of a bear market. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, it, it doesn't matter though, because it's, they're not trying to sell it. Well, no, but I know, but it's just like but to keep it going. Like, it's like a peak fuck. Like you need the validators at some point to like at least somebody's got to cash out something at some point to pay for something. Like if, if I know that it's never going to like be listed, I'll I'll validate it. I'll but I'll only give it one machine. It's not going to have like fucking redundancy and bloody you know all the shit. It'll just have like some fucking. You're just gonna fucking. <laughs> I'm no, I'm no, I'm no block plan. I won't like you know put effort into it. But uh, um, Adam Bomb said in the chat, "This is great. Uh, Kerberos should be a true pioneer in the cosmos and officially die." Yeah, fucking Harry Harry on the sword. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, well, there was there was the like before the the bear even fully took hold. There was a the drag Kerberos back to hell <laughs> prop. Yeah, was, that was great. Was that um that that was that Angry Mouse? I thought Angry Mouse was the like give me money guy. I thought it was Pokachu that did that. I was thinking it was Golden Ratio. (laughs) (laughs) That's a big big spread of different users, like from Angry Mouse to Poker to Golden. They're like, well, uh, it seems like the kind of bullshit prop that um, Angry Mouse would put up. So. Yeah, but also it makes a lot of sense. So maybe not angry mouse. Yeah, it feels like it might make too much sense. Uh, was that unnecessary shade? Possibly. I don't have so Reese angry mouse. Um, so Joe will never be. It, it'll never be saleable anywhere else other than on Joe Chain, right? It'll never have economic value. Yeah, we don't think so. That was orig- our original plan was to maybe mix it with stars and have a stars to Joe pool just so we can have more liquidity to come in. But as we thought about it, we're going to be airdropping to a bunch of NFT communities anyway, both in Joe token as well as custom Joe mints that we do on the Joe chain. So, you know, we're still trying to figure out, you know, can we monetize it? Likely not. But I think that just the value it provides from a technical standpoint will outweigh that. And so if you come at it from a testnet perspective of we're running this testnet, just as you would say, uni five, it's, you know, it's that same aspect, but we're giving it the main net vibes. So that's kind of how we're situating it in its current stance. So if it, yeah, man, I mean, if it's never going to be monetized, I'd, I'd like donate compute to it. Um, yeah. So I'd- we, we have a group of the way that it works is you only have, there's only 16 validators. So we're writing UI tooling for delegations to actually spread it a, a out across all 16 evenly to try to keep all the same. Now, also on top of this, all validators have to have the same name, the same uh, identity, all of this. So delegators don't know who they're delegating to. They're delegating to Joe. So we're trying to see, can we keep all validators in the set at the even weighting to have the best instance? Because it doesn't matter if you're at the bottom of the set because you're evenly weighted against everyone. So we're trying to see, you know, how do delegators, you know, deal with this situation? Do you have 16? Do we what? 
Do you have 16 now? Yeah, if you go yeah. to explore.justjoe.app, you can you can see our validators currently. Some of them have not changed the name yet, but yes, we have the, the front end UI and we're working on the liquid staking and normal staking to automatically distribute now. So a couple of them are working on that, hopefully have it out in the next couple of days. Joe, oh, and Joe, also Joe, we will be halting Joe. today at block 50,000 for the holidays. So that's something that Joe wanted. So we'll be halting for holidays just as banks would. Just wow, like that's outstanding. That's, that, that's <laughs> fucking good, actually. I love that. It's Thanksgiving, right? Yes, uh, I believe tomorrow. So we're halting so tomorrow th- until Friday. <laughs> oh, yeah. So is that like that, um, that is that is actually quite exceptional? No, we just no validators. We're just halting at that height. So no, no, no proposal. We're just doing it. We have the control. We're just Joe. Cool. That's that's great. I yeah. So in about three thousand blocks, we'll be down. Maybe we truly should truly a pioneer. Truly. <laughs> Maybe before we should uh, just like halt every weekend. That would be pretty funny. Yeah, actually. before you know it, we'll be on mainframes and batching transactions every night instead. So <laughs> we should we should propose that across the entire cosmos. Just just take weekends off. Only only validate business hours. <laughs> in, in another ecosystem that we're working on. There literally is a thing where they take a break for the holidays. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Well, other than other than the one that ends in F- other than critical updates like bug updates, they yeah. won't release patches or updates during holidays. This is the one that ends in S, right? Like we should agree to do that it's everywhere, in, including over weekends. But yes. <laughs> uh, well, the one that I'm thinking of that ends in S. And yeah, probably. We're, we're connected. We have ESP, so you uh, yeah. you should know what I'm thinking of. <laughs> I think I've got it. Is it kangaroos? <laughs> no, no, it's it's wallabies. I always get that one mixed up because I see the I see the hopping animal. I'm like kangaroo, but no, it's smaller. It's a rock wallaby. I'm right, aren't I? I don't know, man. Is there so, a difference between a rock wallaby and a normal wallaby? Yeah, it, it's a wallaby on a rock. Uh, For those that don't know, like, the Frey and I talk every day, like, morning and night, so we're, like, incredibly connected internally now. I'm pretty much his wife. I think I think I probably send you about one message a day with the word fucking at the very least. It's like, if I see some dumb shit, oh, dear. That's probably why there's so much swearing on the podcast, because it's just like a week's worth of dms and it's just all of the stuff we're just like hey remember that fucking thing i sent you about that fucking thing it's just like it's what happens when australians and british people write what we should do is just write our dms into the uh into the agenda for the node podcast and not actually talk about them we should just (laughs) put it straight into the spreadsheet the dm yeah but then then it would just be it would just be like bleak pessimism from my end <laughs> and then just like oh it'll be fine you know it'll be all right don't worry about it ah oh, it goes how it goes whatever like it would just be like sort of 20 percent would just be null colon how you going and then just like an assortment of just phrase random statements with the word fuck in and then just like 25% negativity, we're up to 75%, right? And then 25% null positivity. That would be it. That would be the whole lot. 
Yeah, if we had a short, if we had a short like, season, it would only take about five five percent of like a hundred percent because Shorty's is relatively quiet and usually only says very useful and specific technical things. Like uh, there's a whole thread I think with Shortsy in another. I, I can't remember which one it is, but one of the many threads that we're in. And literally, I think if I counted up all of the, there was like a specific point where I scrolled up and I couldn't see a single message from Shortsy except for like a f- like I don't know like maybe two weeks before there was like a point where there was just like a snippet with loads of useful stuff for like a, a, a bash script. And I was just like, yeah, Schultz, really doesn't talk unless he's got something to say, huh? And it's usually something useful. Unlike the rest of us. <laughs> I don't know what to say for myself. That's all I've got to say. Oh, well, that's how you get through a bear, isn't it? So anyway, um, Hey, I've got like a fun, like, we we should start. We, I need to make a little new video. We've got the tombstone video, right? Um, do we reckon any? We we were we were talking about this earlier, I think, uh, weren't we? Whether we thought any chains would actually stop making blocks in the bear. Now that the bear has gotten bad, bad. Like we should start doing a bet on this to see who who's who's NGMI because we it's, it's like obviously like a super big meme, right? NGMI, but like currently. No chains have N M I'd. Well, well. So I mean, I guess so the question far, is, would they ever just stop unless all the validators deliberately stopped? Right? Because if they jail themselves, then the chain just keeps going on. If they unbond, the chain just keeps going on. Every every validator would have to actively turn their thing off. Right? Isn't that the only way to stop it? Oh, I guess you go below. Because if you're jailed, if you're jailed, isn't your stake taken out of the total? I think you'd have to have. It depends. If the validators go down without unbonding, then they could halt the chain. So I guess it depends then what the validators do. And how many go down simultaneously? Because if you have 18 hours of them going down, if they go down, nice. I like the background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it require a bunch of validators turning off at the same time. Yeah, I mean, that's the notion, isn't it? It would be interesting because I guess in theory, if there's enough stake, you can run you can run Tendermint on a single node. So... so- it doesn't you can have it, one lone validator just chipping away in the darkness. If people you know. if people unbond instead of just turn off, right? So if if people turn off, the chain will stop. But if people unbond, it'll just keep fucking banging up the the people below. Even if it's got ten validators with one stake each, it'll still run. As long as they unbond, if they just turn off, it's fucked. It'll it'll stop. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? Like you build a super, super resilient fault tolerant system. It's actually interesting to extrapolate just how fault tolerant it is in terms of just how hard it is to kill the thing deliberately as well as accidentally. Um, I get, yeah, it, it's an interesting thought. Uh, all right, we've got in the chat Adam Bomb said, Game of Nodes, bear market bets, first chain to die, Sif or Curb? Sif. I've seen a lot of people unbonding from Sif recently. So well, I just can't imagine why that would be. Yeah. I it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because Sif has actual utility, 
potentially and curb doesn't and yet i've seen more people unbonding from sif than from curb i mean i think serb is so far outside of like the normal cosmos lexicon at this point that people don't even care enough to unbond like it's pretty sad but i think that's where it's at yeah i mean that's fair i mean to be fair there's quite a few chains like that like when was the last time you heard about star name checked commercio whoa whoa let's not throw checked into this i actually like checked i think they have a great product i i think checks quite good but i don't hear people talk about it ever no that's true it was never it never kind of went into the the greater lexicon of the cosmos so i don't really know why maybe because it's not in mint scan it seems like if a network is not on mint scan then people don't take it seriously right well, everybody got very excited about territory, and they're not on Mintscan, right? Ooh, are they? I don't know. Oh, thank, thanks for coming, Reese. Don't think so. Way. Yeah, I just noticed Reese. <laughs> Reese said, "I gotta go," and then uh, I didn't check the DMs until he had gone. Thanks, Reese, for yeah, joining us and talking about Joe Chain. Um, territory so is on Mintscan. Here's some. Which here's which one? Which one is on Mintscan? Sorry. Uh, territory is on Minscan. Is it? That's interesting. Yes, um, so Leighton666 in the chat says dig. Um, Adam Bomb suggests Desmos. Yeah, they haven't done anything, right? There's been they, quite a few of us leave dig as well recently. So it's like on its way out. But, uh, you know, it, it still might. You know, some people just want to validate so and don't yeah. care about the cost. And Ben Ben Davis has said uh Reese rugged you guys. Yeah that's not the way it's supposed to work. We're supposed to kick them out. Yeah. <laughs> I think this might be a first. A guest has just said I gotta go and has gone quietly <laughs> and just rugged Deuces. <laughs> I mean like fair, to be fair he did say and he had like 20 minutes or so but we kind that's of just ignored right. him as well which kind of didn't help. So we're like, oh, thanks for that, and then just start talking about the shit. <laughs> yeah. you, you, Game of Nodes is like this. There's like you, you've got to just elbow your way into the, into, <laughs> yeah, into it's the like, chat. It's like a big conversation at the pub. You got to fucking like just muscle your way in so you can say your piece and then like go back to your schooner. Yeah, I mean, I feel I feel really bad, right? Sometimes when it's got like Schultz and Eric on and and Usurper on doxed, <laughs> the one week is not on doxed him um but when they're on and they're obviously like quite tired or in like a bit of a quieter mood and then there's just like full pub mode going on on this on this side of the screen we're just like oh fucking hell mate what did you see this and i'm just like oh man i feel so bad this is this is literally just being like in a bawdy pub and just being like pints pints i don't feel bad at all well but you're australian so yeah Um, here's here's some networks on um so this is on on kepler right so these are you just looking down the list on kepler yeah well you know there's some question marks on kepler now so you know like well star names there sif chains there certix there certic done anything what's certic wait is a sif's an official uh oh wow it is i didn't realize it's actually okay continues iris net Persistence, Sentinel, IXO. It's IXO. I thought IXO was the same thing as Star Name. 
Yumi. There's quite a like you don't hear much. Well, I don't hear much from any of those networks I just mentioned. I don't. Does Yumi hey, do anything? Is Keychain on? Is Keychain on? Uh, no, no. On Kepler. No, it's well, it's no, it's just the self-add suggested, self-suggested chain type thing. Are they on Mint Scan? Uh, maybe. You know, I think, I think, um, they are, and they unless, are. unless it's been paid for by the chain, I think that Kepler should like, you know, modify their officially supported chains based on, you know, some sort of volume like IBC volume or something or economic value so that they sort of have the good ones listed instead of like just some. I mean, the whole, the whole Kepler um, value add, I think is really interesting. It feels like I'm probably walking over people a little bit here with this. Um, it feels like they developed it and then just kind of like backed out. They don't, they don't accept PRs for their code. Um, I've tried a couple improvements and they, they didn't take it. But there's a lot of things they could have done. Like they could have built in swaps in Kepler, right? They could have just like used osmosis and taken some of the fees or something. And it seems really they, strange to me that they ahead. can actively improve it. Like it's not dead. Everyone fucking uses it. They can they can make it so much better. Yeah. Like, At this point, okay, maybe unpopular opinion, but I feel like Kepler is just a way of guarding an incumbent advantage and getting a little bit of extra pocket money on the side. Like, because the team behind it, right? The team, it's, it's the team behind Osmosis, right? So they don't need the cash. They, they cover more than their RPC cost by a big margin by charging 300K a year or whatever it is. Yeah, but the, um, I don't think they, like, there's no way Star Name's coming up with 300 grand a year. So I think what it was is the original um, like 10 chains, Kepler just added to set themselves up as the wallet, right? So these top 10, I think, are the top 10, um, like the, the, the first 10 chains, right? And so at that point, they didn't really know what was up, down, left, or right. And then as new chains were added on, they kind of, I don't know if there's some payment system going on for all of them, like um, Somalier, and Axlar were both just brought in. T-Grade, I think, was as well without any sort of like governance thing saying um, to pay the man stride to. Those all so T-Grade's like can just get in because they basically built Wasm and they're like, okay. <laughs> well, sure, my point stands though, right? There's more of a backdoor deal of like friends adding it in versus... For Juno, for example, you know, there's an entire government system of, hey, this is how much you need to actually pay to get in. I think there was a couple of those, um, but I can't think of them offhand. So, I think Stargaze pay them. Juno pays them. Be interesting to see what happens on the next time, like after the years up from the last uh, payment, because to pay them 370 grand again will just about be everything that fucking Juno's community pool worth. <laughs> that's the whole community pool at this point <laughs> um well i mean i think th this is a broader question in the bear market is that the money is rapidly evaporating and it will be interesting to see what happens when these things shuffle back around um you know especially for uh, yeah i mean there's a lot of initiatives i think that are now moot for want of a better term 
you know, with the well, I mean, we're at a point now where in Juno, like, I can't see us being able to sustain any kind of like rewards or develop a program just yeah. because yeah. it'll annihilate the fucking um, the liquidity. And it's basically at that point, it's just dumping the dev fund on on users. So. Yeah, I mean, pretty much all spending for, for any chain that doesn't that doesn't have a diversified um, treasury that's either other tokens or um, stables or I mean, because this is the great this is the great problem, right? Of Juno is that when Juno was forty dollars a coin, Juno could have put fifty million in their treasury easily. Yeah, and well, they so did. the point if Juno was run by a company. Like, or if it had a foundation, if it was run or, by Null, or yeah, well, no, if, if it was run by if it was run by you or me, <laughs> when Juno was thirty dollars, it was run by you, it'd still be broke. If it was run like me, it'd it'd have a fu- have a future. <laughs> well, you only do what I do anyway, so it's like ah, uh, we 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 we. So right, I <laughs> I will publicly like- I will publicly give you one piece of credit. Uh, so I, I, I think I'm more paranoid on diversifying risk than you are, although I do value your opinion now. But I will give you the credit that at least once I asked you a, a question about our company finances, where I was just like, say, and you did literally point out something really obvious and made us over $10,000. So I will credit where credit's due. On occasion, you have contributed to our continuing ability to continue functioning as a business. Should I not have received a commission? Let's talk about this later. But anyway, <laughs> so the, the, there's no finder's fee for keeping us in business. That's not how we'll talk. We'll talk about this later. But the point is, the point is that. Yeah, when when Juno was that high, right? A lot, a lot of other foundations, a lot of other organizations would have got stables, would have done other things. And it's not really a slight on Juno necessarily, in the sense of like uh, the setup of the organization is basically non-existent. And so, was that an option? It probably would have had to go through governance. I mean, it could have done. There are ways of doing that. Um, so a thing, another thing, like. So, it's, it's so the most many crying over spilt milk, I guess, is my point. Even like chains with a central organization are in the same position because when you're in a bull market and you haven't been operating that long and everything's going fucking it's good. Fucking you're desk. Like it just it's like, are we supposed to not even talk about that? You don't anticipate <laughs> <laughs> it's just a sit stand desk. What do you want from me? So, do you know, I actually tried to put my desk up during another uh, podcast, like this podcast, but like many, many weeks ago, and it started to tear all the fucking cables out of the wall. And I was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> you like press up and then press back down? <laughs> yeah, I did. I like got halfway up and then I had to go all the way back down. Everyone's like. I mean, Schultzy is like pure minimalist, so it doesn't surprise me that desk smoothly goes up and down. That's no, that's no thing, of course. Well, I- I did actually just get a new dock for my laptop, so everything goes into one cable now, and it's it's amazing. It's like down to, from every single port was used down to a single Thunderbolt four port. That is just the best. That's that's actually quite cool. yeah, nice. That's that's how I run all my. So actually, I'm almost all MacBook now. I've been running a MacBook and a um, 
and the Windows PC for the better part of a year now. And uh, actually probably more like nine months. And so now I'm almost entirely MacBook on the one plug. So I've got a couple of stations around the place. I don't know if you guys noticed, but I'm not entirely in the one place all the time. So I've got a couple of like monitor keyboard setups around the place that I can just whack that USB-C in. And the other day I found out that I can just jam my iPad into it as well, which was like very nice because the, um, I don't know if you guys do any spaces, but spaces fucking sucks. And it only yeah, works. Like, I, we, we were supposed to do one for Howl the other day. We were like the guest and couldn't fucking connect to it. The like, doesn't work it, on iPad doesn't Air. Work PC at all. Doesn't work on iPad Air. Doesn't work on Windows. Doesn't work on Mac. Doesn't work on Linux. Tried to so, join it. Tried to join it on Android, and it didn't recognize an external headset. It was like this external headset is not compatible. It's like, what the fuck do you want? Like, literally, I've I've tried four devices at this point. Like, it's, so, it's just non-functional. <laughs> right. I plug my fucking phone into my Scarlet, and it works beautifully. Uh, you know what? Didn't fucking think of that, did I? I could have got an extender to. Oh, I could have got an extender to the USB C. Your Scarlet's more recent than mine. Mine is fourteen mm. years old, I think. Yeah. So I new. don't think it. I don't think the drivers will install over USB C to an Android phone. <laughs> I have only just recently discovered not abusing my ears with trash noise. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, no, to be fair, I only got the monitors. I only got like really good monitors about five years ago. So before that, it was just an interface without any monitors. It was only, I basically, I bought a nice desk and then I was just like, hey, I could be one of those fucking dickheads that has two isolated speaker stands with, you know, the isolation foam on them and then puts two fancy fucking speakers on top and then just has them. And I was just like, I was like, yeah, I can be that fucking guy. Uh, so I bought the most expensive speakers I could afford secondhand. So, cause I was like, I could buy them new, but then I could buy ones twice as good if I buy them secondhand. Um, oh, Garnsey Gan- has a good, I've never seen Garnsey here before, but Garnsey has a good selection. Use an, use an emulator for spaces, an iPhone emulator. Of course. That's smart. That's smart. Oh, that's clever. Do you know Fuck, what? I even, I even have over here. fucking laptop from a previous job. Why didn't I think of that? What a fucking gigabrain. Shit, man. <laughs> now I feel like a fucking brat because I've literally got the iOS emulator on yeah. this laptop. I feel like a total twat now. Why didn't I think of that? Fuck. Okay. Well, there you go. Space is, space is fucking solved. Um, so it won't work though. You, you'll go to do it and it'll be, it just won't work. <laughs> It was just black uh, on you. Yeah, the, I mean, the emulator is only so good as well. Like, I remember spending a fucking week trying to debug why something wasn't working with the keyboard in the right way on an iOS app in the emulator before, because uh, I was a, I was away for work and I got a task this thing, and then I got back to the office where we had all the different devices, and I was like, I'm just gonna sense check. And it, it was fucking no, there was no bug on the actual device. It's just that all of us had checked it on the emulator and assumed that we we're like, oh, fuck, it's a real bug. No, it wasn't. Didn't fucking, <laughs> it wasn't a bug on the actual iOS device, only on the yeah. emulator. I had that it exact a week. Experience. It took a week. Have you any, any idea how frustrating it is to debug a keyboard action, like in a keyboard event on an iOS device for a week? So, 
Um, completely unrelated. I bought a, a an iPhone yesterday. I'm I'm an iPhone guy now. I've been Android for like fifteen years. Why? Why would you do that? Yeah, why? So I've got a MacBook and an iPad, and I felt like I was missing out some connectivity with the phone. I feel like I'm going to regret it. It's very like old. Like that's that's my impression. But then you so, can do a really cool thing where I noticed that when I'm on my home Wi-Fi, um, if I brought uh, the work laptop back from the office, uh, sometimes I just like have it open, especially at the moment, if I'm working on the fucking stairs, I'll just have it open and then I'll be at my desk and the Mac on the desk will be like, hey, do you want to just import the fucking Firefox window you have open? And you're like, why well, don't have a Firefox? And then it's like, oh, because there's a laptop downstairs on, and it just knows. It just on. 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 It just. That's great. I'll um I'll sample that for my next for the next mixtape. Um, so anyway, but away from away from iOS devices. Sporthy <laughs> asked a question a little while ago. Uh, what's Gamer Node's opinion on closed source Cosmwasm contracts? Because this is this is if we're going to do drama of the week, right? I forgot about that drama. I'll, Man, I was, I blocked that drama out. <laughs> is this why you unbonded on Dig? Fuck Sporthy. What man? Don't be bringing that shit up. Sporthy's yeah, now we're all going to get in trouble. That's we can talk about this in an adult and undramatic way but the so but the drama actually was not a um let's <laughs> bump the drama for second numbers <laughs> thank you gasney um so the drama was actually over the whole chains code right rather than just no that's not true because no it, it was about um no, it's just the stable coin yeah it's about it's about kuji wasn't it and kuji's yeah chain codes actually open source isn't it it's just the smart contracts that are closed source right yeah yeah that's so i'm pretty sure that's it it's just that usk is uh closed source and um jacob took issue with that well i think it's more than just usk i think also their um their order book is also closed source but the point stands yeah so but i mean like this is a to me it's a choice that users need to make, right? Like, like I've always said that chains don't necessarily need to be like, we're talking about app chains, man. They don't have to be decentralized. They don't have to be open source code. They don't have to be any of the shit that, that Bitcoin is. Right. So when you buy into a project, it's, there are so many fucking projects and companies in the world that are closed source, right? Just because there's like this, um stigma that that like blockchain should be this pure thing to do around the original white paper of bitcoin i think is bullshit like things evolve you know um industries evolve and you're buying into a project and the developers right you have to have a certain amount of trust if you're going to buy into a closed source project and that's that's it if, if they're undoxed developers that don't have much history and and not much credibility then you'd stay right away from it and if you 
you know, if they've developed a certain amount of trust, then you might give them some trust and use their product. But how do you how do you vote on anything, right? You vote with your wallet. If you think it's bullshit, don't use it. Uh, if yeah. you think it's good, use it. So, well, like if you give your credit card to any cloud service, right, as a company, you can get an out of band bill and get a shitload of money charged to you. That literally happened to us last month, right? And you go, ah, fuck, that's annoying. But you've Point. got commercial, you you've got commercial agreement in place with them, and you have to pay it. So, and like a really good like, and I use the cloud example, like you know Grafana or any of these services that you pay, pay per usage. Um, it's it's like a meme with AWS, isn't it? That some guys got charged a million dollars because they had a hot partition in DynamoDB, right? And um, obviously, AWS did not make them pay a million dollars because it didn't cost AWS a million dollars provide that compute they just went oh we'll consider this a billing mistake we'll write it off as like a couple of thousand dollars i think uh, which was the actual usage right but it just goes to show you that there are a lot of times in life when billing is completely opaque and pricing is completely opaque and in a former life doing cloud consultancy doing digital transformation that sort of stuff you're convincing people to in some cases drop physical data centers owned by their company like where they own everything they own the servers the building the power and you're going okay well you no longer have to maintain backup generators and blah 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 and like knock a hole through a wall when you need a a a, a better bandwidth connection put through right but in exchange you don't go oh well the building costs this to rent the service costs this to buy the staff costs this to hire you instead go well we're going to spend some money right so there's some trust there as well as an additional layer of risk, right? And the layer of risk is that you could get the maths wrong about the billing, and thus you're you're actually exposed to a lot more risk than you think you are. And that's the same with any project where you're handing over your credit card. And a lot of the crypto stuff, you're handing over your wallet, essentially, or you're handing you're signing a transaction. So you are handing over your wallet, you're handing over your card, just like in a merchant. You know, back in the days when somebody would just skim your card under the counter. You ever have that where you went for a beer with your mates and you bought a round of beers and then like a few, then we're talking like 10, 15 years ago. And then a couple of days later, you'd be like, what the fuck? I got charged for four rounds. And you're like, it's because somebody skimmed your card and then just ran a bunch of extra stuff through the till. Right. And that sort of stuff's really uncommon now, like in the outside world, I guess. Right. Well, hold on. Let's, let's caveat that a little bit. That is super common in the state still. Super common. But continue. Oh, yeah. You guys don't have chip and pin anymore. Do you, do you have chip and pin? Uh, we do. Yeah. But because that's what stopped credit, there. there, there's no there's no pin involved with it though. It's just chip. There's no there's no pin. Oh right. I well, have never been skimmed and never heard of anyone being skimmed in Australia. Okay. I've well, been before, skimmed like six times in the last like two years. So and I know before chip and pin came along, I got I, yeah, I know people that didn't got but but like you know, only for small months, small amounts of money anyway, because you, yeah, your point stands. It it wasn't worth interrupting you for, but yeah. <laughs> but but anyway, the, 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 I guess the I guess the point is that like you know, there are plenty of services that you know you hand over your billing details to. Like you you know you have service from OVH, right? There will be things in their terms of service. I guarantee that they're allowed to charge you for, and they can like discretionary charge you in certain situations. Almost every terms of service has stuff like that with outbound charges. And we just assume that we have a good relationship with this service provider and it will be fine, right? And 
yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things like that in life that require trust, right? And that's the that's I think that's the interesting thing about the whole. I've just finished, uh, you know, the, the Cosmos Book Club, the Graber thing, right? Uh, and the there's an argument in that book, central to that book, on debt that money. Um, there's no such thing. So debt comes before money. And money doesn't ever come without trust, right? So, well, more, more specifically, money tends to evolve when there is no trust, but it's never completely devoid of trust because you have to trust that the money generally can be redeemable for something, even though that's just the base value, right? But it's the reason the money is used as a passable token is because you don't trust the other, you don't trust your counterparty, right? And so, like, the presence of tokens on a on a blockchain or whatever suggests a low trust environment, but it doesn't that low tr- the 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 need to then replace that low trust environment with trust in the code maybe theater i think well i think maybe. part of the issue also for me with open source versus closed source at the moment is that one of the reasons why open source is considered you know it's held as the next best next best thing or has been for the last 40 years is the idea that someone's going to constantly be auditing it for for fixes, someone that's that's uh, white hat auditing it for fixes, right? And a lot of the hacks that we've seen have been for open source plate code, but it was a black hat hacker that actually found the exploit, right? We only have a handful of people that do any level of auditing of external code in the cosmos. We have Blockpain who comes in sometimes, and I know he does on on a contract basis as well as just kind of something he does. Um, Jacob sometimes does and chill validation. Those are the only three that I'm aware of that ever go through and review code. And generally it's on a, um, I don't want to say selfish basis, but if they're going to use something, they're going to audit it to make sure that they're not doing something dumb. Um, they're doing due diligence. You could say most people aren't doing that. Um, even if Kuji open source their code, I doubt that many people would be auditing it. Um, so I don't fault them. Go ahead. Just on on that as well, Shieldsy. Like um, anyone who li- actually listens to this podcast at some point, please consider like um, delegating some to Chili and uh, Blockpain because they are out there doing the good things. It's just that they don't run around marketing, so they're yeah, really good. Chili, Chili does a lot of looking at low level code and working out what's going on, and I think that again, it's not. Yeah, they're both really good validators, and they're both really yeah. good security guys who do a lot looking yeah. around the ecosystem. So, you know, if you got some rewards that you're looking for someone to, you know, compound them with, just consider those two guys. I, I don't think I ever seen them, you know, be jailed or anything like that. So they, I don't think you have to fear that kind of so, stuff. So we've had some questions in the in the uh, the chat, which I'd like to just pull out a second. So uh, Don Chineco has said. Um, and I'm sorry if I just murdered your surname there. Um, would you guys mind to invite somebody from Kajira on the podcast? They can tell you more about closed source contracts. We have a standing invitation to Code Hands uh, to come on, but we have been rugged in the past. So uh, I, I just sent Code Hands a message just then in response to Don's uh, question. So, so maybe, maybe, maybe it will happen. Uh, we we all individually, I think, talk have talked to Hands at one point or another, and uh, big fan nice guy um we'd love to have uh him on to talk about um kajira so it is um, it is late in the afternoon 
like late late at night for him this podcast time, so we may not be able to get him on. I I thought Hans was in a similar time zone to me. Maybe you go for you though. Like my normal bedtime is like nine p.m. What? Yeah, my normal bedtime is like nine p.m. After that point, I mostly just sign up on things. So yeah, I'm I'm eight or nine, but I get up at like four. So I get up around. What the fuck? If I go to bed at like 11, I can get up at like 5 or 6 in the morning. And if I go to bed at 1, one thirty, I can get up at 7, 7.30, maybe 8. Well, I mean, going to bed doesn't necessarily mean going to sleep, right? Like I got reading I want to do, you know. But I'm like, I, try to be, I try to be like keyboard down, isolated by that point. Fair. I'm kind of like play XCOM to like can barely keep my eyes open and then go immediately to sleep <laughs> oh you gotta believe that i'll play video games while i'm in bed that that totally counts as like me being what? in bed that doesn't yeah. count as being in bed you can't have a console in your place of rest that's ridiculous ah uh, but i don't see what i have is my phone and then i have a controller that i can attach to the phone kind of like a switch yeah but you shouldn't have your phone in the bedroom that's like i super know bad. That's i super know bad. i know it's shameful and embarrassing but it's it's how well you it need to phone phone goes by by ground coffee and then when it goes off in the morning you have to walk to next to where the coffee is to turn the phone off and then you smell the coffee and you're like uh i guess i should get up so 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 okay so here's what i used to do to get up it used to be that i had this app that i would need to do math problems in order to actually turn the alarm off but that's devastating it, it was fantastic. I absolutely loved. It. I like doing math in my head, so it was just a lot of fun. And you can like snooze the sound. But the problem is, my my wife would have different hours than me, and so I'd be like six six a.m. rolls around or whatever, and I'm starting to do math problems on my phone, and she wasn't a fan of that. So now it's mostly just that is fucked. It would probably be <laughs> fine for me because I'm the night person uh, rather than the morning person. So I'm if I do shit like that to get myself up, I'll literally be like fucking turning my alarm off and being like right fine i should probably make some coffee then and like like she's already like fucking writing or doing something clever or something i'm just like oh fucking morning people morning people like and like loads of my friends are morning people as well so when i like stay with them i'll like pull my reheated corpse out of bed at like eight and just like stumble downstairs and be like, oh, thanks for putting me up. And they're like all ready to go to work. And they're like, oh, cool, you're up. Um, do you mind like uh, just getting the fuck out of my house, please? And you're like, oh, yeah, I can't think so. You've got to go so, to work. Right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need assistance to wake up in the morning. I just wake up. It's fucking like rides. And well done. Well done. <laughs> Big round of applause. So can we get back everybody. to the fucking comments? You guys yeah, okay, back to the comments, right? So back to the comments. Um, so, so, Matt, so yeah, this is a good point that Ben Davis makes. Um, he says, I think that the close element should be clear on the website. Transparency is important. Um, partial match says the concern, as far as I know, is that USK will get big in the wider cosmos and any risk will be sw- spread around as the UST. That's a That, I think, is a fair concern, right? Because some people did spot the fundamental flaw in UST because of looking at the code rather than looking at how it was described, right? Um, you know, the although, funny thing with UST is that I asked fucking heaps of people and no one could really tell me how it worked. <laughs> I'm like, how about this UST? And they're like, yeah, man, it's really going off. I'm like, yeah, but how does it work? <laughs> well, so 
and this is the other thing about auditing, right? I've written a lot of smart contract stuff, particularly around NFTs. I think nominally I might still even be a maintainer on the Cosmwise and NFTs repo, right? So I've been working with that stuff for a long time and was was des- designing something today that works with NFTs as part of a project that's ongoing. And I was trying to work out the implications of something that's in the Cosmwasm NFT standard. And I actually had to send a message to friend of the podcast, Jake from the Gino core team and be like, Hey dude, what the fuck's up with this thing? Like, I feel like I'm missing something really obvious. And he pointed out, he was like, Oh no, it's just for this use case. Duh. And I was like, right. Yes, you're right. Of course it is. And therefore X, Y, Z. I was like, okay, I think actually the design's fine. I'm being paranoid about nothing, but like, that that whole process like to 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 step through the implications of a thing that i know very well but like had forgotten some element of and then needed to be like sense check it and all that kind of stuff you go like that may that especially in the context of auditing you're like yeah i i'm not sure that even i, I mean i don't know how many lines of smart contracts i've written at this point 10k 20k maybe more written tutorials done workshops talked to people in real life talked to people on things whatever me and callum did that series and yet am i confident to sign off on a smart contract no yeah i mean i i I would back you there um i did an audit for the pontum wallet i don't know a month ago maybe um not a public one just just it's a closed source wallet on aptos and I just want to make sure that if I want to use it, that it was it wasn't doing anything ridiculous like what happened on Solana six months back or whatever. Um, and it can't be overstated how important modularity within code is to be audited. Um, it's whenever you do an audit, you really want to break things up into individual components. And if the app or whatever it is you're auditing isn't well broken up, it's borderline impossible. Um, just because it requires so much in-depth knowledge. Pontum, fortunately, was was really well broken up, so it was pretty easy to just go in, look how they're doing, like doing encryption, look how they're sending out um, different uh, transactions and stuff. That was fine, but auditing is is it's a crazy skill. Doing code reviews in, in, in general is is a really um, undervalued skill, in my opinion, or, or underappreciated. Um, so, uh, yeah. to to I think it was. Don, I think Don said there's a niche for for work in Cosmos code, code editing, code auditing. Yes, absolutely. Uh, that's what Certic does, um, and that's what so, some, someone audited um, code recently for Cosmos. They said at the beginning that they weren't um, like they aren't custom to Cosmos, and then there was an exploit that that happened soon after. Um, because it's hard. It's hard, and you need yeah. you need a specific specialization. And you know, if you're a code auditing company and you specialize in the cosmos, well, suddenly now you're kind of bound to the cosmos in in a really kind of scary way. Cosmos is bound to itself. If Adam goes down, everything else goes down. So, as as a business decision, it can be quite scary. Yeah, I think the. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of things going on with that. But like, I remember when like the prop 16 smart contract, um, we did a lot of the work on that. And I remember I, I, almost every line of that contract is quite a trivial contract. Um, but almost every line of that contract has a code comment on it because that was the only thing I could think of that would mean that somebody like way more than I would ever write on anything else, just, 
I wanted like every more or less everything to be exhaustively documented. So like if it says like fucking um config.save, there would be a comment above it going like here we are going to save the configuration. The configuration was passed in when the contract was instantiated or something like that. Because otherwise, like if you're in a hurry and you don't have the context of writing it like that, that understand or like that piecing together, like I, I don't know about like by you guys, but like I, I definitely find that I either understand it completely or I don't understand it at all. And I think that's why, and I've said this a lot, I think about the Cosmos SDK that like I've been working with it now for nearly 18 months and I still probably understand it less than any major piece of software that I've worked with for that length of time. Right. Um, and I don't think it's just me because I've worked with a lot of software over the years, but like it's part, I think it's part of this character of like the way my brain is maybe broken is that I can either understand the thing completely or not at all. And when you look at auditing something, you're like, okay, well, if somebody else has to audit this. Maybe they'll just straight away, just like see how all these pieces fit together and then happy days. Or maybe they're like me and they're going like, fuck, okay, I, I see that this looks like a normal contract with lots of very normal bits, but I need to understand how all of these pieces fit in together in a great, into a greater whole. And like nine times out of 10, the quickest way to get to that point is by talking to another person. And if that person's not there, then they have to have a conversation with you somehow. And that's like code comments. And it's so hard Um like I think anybody who's done any like um especially maybe last year before a lot of the documentation was written, anybody who's done a lot of Cosmwasm stuff will have had to look in Cosmwasm's code base and the VM and all that sort of stuff. And it's really, really hard when people haven't put comments to understand. So very recently I was doing a bit of stuff. I was way too burnt out to be doing this for reference, and I had to stop and I've I'm gonna have to take some time off and I'll come back to it when I come back. But I was trying to help out with some of the Cosmosm SDK stuff, which involved basically looking at the existing implementations of Merck, uh, Merkle trees for storage in um, uh, in Rust-based versions of the SDK, be that Basecoin or be that Augur, which is what's under Gnome, Gnomic. And Gnomic and Augur is really cool. And like from 10,000 feet, understand it. 5,000 feet, understand it. 1,000 feet, understand it actual implementation there are just loads of things where you're just like i don't immediately see where this is used i have to scroll through the code base to find where it's used and then so you make a note in your pad and you're like okay i think this raw iterator is used for direct access to rocks db but i don't see why it's needed because it's wrapped elsewhere but you just write it down and you move on and you go back to the thing you were looking at but you just had to unwind all that context to get back to where you were and then you're like okay so that's not the thing i was looking for so what does this other thing do and it was interesting because without like you can see how something works and you can come up with a hypothesis but being definitively certain that that's what it does is that's another jump again and so i i sent matt bell quite a few pretty dumb questions where i was just like look I, why is this bit not exposed or why is this bit over here exposed whatever and it was probably very annoying for him but it it was really interesting because i think it reminded me again of like as an engineer how much you take for granted when you've written a piece of code that something is obvious and i've from that experience i was just like oh my god like i need to remember this feeling for the next time i decide whether to write a, a proper code comment or not because this is really really interesting because i would imagine to matt who presumably spent a good period of time thinking about that code writing it those bits that i've just mentioned were probably super obvious what they did you know 
especially with Rust, the compiler shouts at you if you do anything wrong anyway. So like you can get the code to come. That's the weird thing about Rust. Sometimes you get the code to compile, but you don't fully understand what the difference was between your version that wasn't 100% working and then. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And if we go back to the Prop 16 thing, even with you doing that, there was, it was still in, in a very vague sense, like if you squint a little bit, it was still exploited, right? The wrong address was used to send the coins to. So even with all that effort put in, something still went wrong. And that really goes to show like the impossibility of doing an effective Impossibility is a bit strong, but for potential people who will hire Envoy or Needlecast to do consultancy work, I would just like to state for the record that we did not work on the code. That, uh, but but yes, yeah, yeah. The, the point stands: something still went wrong, even though every single line had a, a, a comment with it. Yeah, I mean, the, this is the thing. Like, I I also, for liability's sake, the the contract was audited, but. Am I certain there's no vulnerabilities in that? No, no. So, so it's kind of useless me going like, oh well, the bit of code that was that showed to have a problem was elsewhere. It's like, well, how do you know really in the grand scheme of things? You only know when you've been owned, don't you really? Um, so we we had a bunch more comments, and I've kind of derailed it by talking about code comments and fucking auditing there. Um, so yeah there's some I, I mean i think we we generally speaking are on the boat that usk should probably be open source well that's kind of my feeling like i don't think everything needs to be open source as part of a you know how is an open source i know that project isn't even launched yet but it's not going to be there are pieces that will be open source there are pieces that won't be open source is probably how that will happen because we just know there are projects that are just going to take the code who already have millions of dollars in the bank and vcs and we're bootstrapped so why would we give people who already have a competitive and commercial advantage an opportunity to just take the code and run with it? That's like dumb. Um, so I do understand Kuji's point of view. They must be looking around and seeing some very big competitors. Um, but USK should probably be open sourced. Um, yeah, so there's some questions. So interoperability. So Ben Davis says, I guess interoperability means contagion is a risk even if you don't invest in the chain. That's really interesting because we saw that a little bit. We saw the risk of that with UST and Terra, but it was sort of contained. Um, we did talk about this a little bit with mesh security last week as well, though, that I think the risk of that is probably going to increase in the interchain. I don't know what you two think. Uh, I mean, I think that statement's fine. I think it's valid. I'll buy that. Um, so Sporthy's also said, I think so much, I think so much of blockchain culture is built around code as law, but with closed source contracts, you are following law. You can't even read very fair point. Um, it's probably, yeah, it is a bit of a cultural relic of, or artifact or, or corollary of, of that. Um, I would say that's, that's culture to date. Uh, like in blockchain, we have to like, you know, change our thinking over time because if it's if it stays the same and we just shit on anyone who tries to do anything different you're just going to scare people away so you know you can't just have a monoculture of this one thing in an industry you have to like allow people to do their own thing and let the free market decide what they want to do with that so well, just because like to date blockchain has been about a thing i don't think that necessarily 
in the future, it needs to be all that thing. And I think to your, to your point, um, I think Cosmos is its own microcosm within that that sphere of Coda's law. We haven't, I mean, we, we've proven that we, we kind of don't follow that. With Prop 16, we were like, eh, well, code says this, but we're going to undo that. And more recently, there have been multiple double signs lately, and they've been reverted. Um, on Secret, uh, who was it? Uh, Chain of Secrets double signed. Um, that was kind of... That one I give a pass for like undoing the double sign because it was secret labs that had them do it. And anyway, and then there was another one, I think in Chihuahua that uh, there was a double sign and then they reverted that one. And now I think for Stride for Everstake, they double signed, but now there's a, a strong conversation happening about maybe they should on the next upgrade undo that double sign as well. So that's another example where we're just kind of like absconding with the Coda's Law thing when they did double sign, this did happen. They did get penalized. So I, I think, I think especially because they fucking double signed on two chains as well. It's like literally oh, we need to you fucking double signed. You should be <laughs> off that chain. You have been tombstone. The intention of the fucking code is clear. Like if we're not going to do tombstoning, do an upgrade where you fucking change your genesis. You change the fucking sign penalty to zero. Yeah. Just do that. It's possible well, to turn that shit off. I was going to say, say change the code so you don't get tombstoned. Just fucking yeah, let people just fucking get rid of that. Like, well, I mean, I think that's what Akash did. There were two double signs on this last upgrade, um, and nothing happened. I think I think they have it disabled. So there are chains that have double signing turned off, so we know it's okay. So just follow that lead. So what you're saying is you can try and double spend on Akash, and it'll be fine? I guess so, yeah. Because there were two validators that double signed on the last upgrade. So we could, we could take the open source Akash code... Uh, modify the binary so it's always just trying to double spend and see what happens basically uh, I, I suppose yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna... <laughs> Mate, this is how needlecast finally double signed it's like okay i have to go to it to be like okay yes we did double sign but in fairness we were trying to economically attack a network with the single worst kind of validator behavior that was possible just because we were kind of curious that's not just bad, is it? <laughs> yeah, it's okay, guys. We didn't double sign because of incompetence like all those other guys. We did it because we were actually being malicious, which is fine. And don't you worry. I'm putting up a signaling proposal to be undouble signed here soon. Yeah, well, you can just go like, well, it's kind of like a gray hat situation. We'll return the funds. But uh, hey, also maybe pay us for that audit we just did. <laughs> Look, I... I don't really like the the restoring of the double signees. Like, it seems to me that plenty of other people manage to not double sign. So, like, I don't think there's a good enough reason to say we're going to restore you in an upgrade. I think. Yeah, I, I agree for sure. The only exception I have is for Secret, just because it was the developers that were like, hey, we're going to give you this testing binary. This will most likely cause you a double sign, but if you, if you do, then we'll, we'll undo it. That's the only exception I'm willing to give. Also, that's what, you know, test nets are for. True. True. But yeah, I mean, like just, I mean, most people do their double signing in upgrades and there are things you can do to give you the optimum chance to not double sign. So, you know, other people are doing it. I don't see why they give dispensation to people who aren't going to the additional effort and cost to make sure that they don't 
and then people who are, you know, like, in my opinion, it's a competence thing if you double sign because there is no reason why that should happen, especially with the explanations I've seen on Twitter. It seems like they exactly do the thing that makes you double sign. And if that's their systems and their process that are making them do that, they shouldn't have that system or process and they should have fleshed that out in a test net. They should get to a point where they're double signing on a main net. So for people to go, oh, that's okay. You've done a post-mortem and you've, uh, you know, identified your issue. Good on you. I think that's not, you know, good enough. Yeah. And uh, uh, part of the conversation, I, I agree with you, first of all. Uh, second, part of the conversation is around whether, like what the intent of double signing is. Um, a lot of people are in the impression that double signing is to protect against malicious actors specifically. And I don't know if that's true. Um, it sounds likely to be true. And, but that's where the argument comes from. Well, they, they obviously weren't malicious. So why would we punish them? They just made a mistake. Well, because you should. Because make making mistake. mistakes is also malicious potentially. Yeah. Like, do and you're you... also taking people at face value. Like, you know, yeah, Everstate make a shitload of cash, I assume. So you're going like, well, they they, they can't be malicious because they want to continue making money. It's just like, oh, yeah, well, when has an organization that makes loads of money ever been malicious or worked against the interests of a sovereign group of individuals or a community? I can't ever think in all of my reading on various subjects of a situation in which that happened. like, Or like last couple of weeks with FTX, maybe. Well, and yeah. the same conversation is actually happening there. They're saying that it's not fraud because, like, they didn't, they weren't acting maliciously. It was just pure incompetence. And I, I just, it, it, that's a really, and it's a calculated defense strategy in these kind of cases because it works. It's really, really hard to prove the fine line between idiots and basically negligence and criminal intent. But, you know, the whole point of having like a really high bar dramatic slash is to just be like, sorry, but this is a low, it's either a low trust environment or it's not. You know, back to the thing we were talking about with tokens and and, and projects. Like if we're going to act like it's a low trust environment, you've got to enforce the rules. Like, Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's, that's a great point, right? All we're all doing this because we're talking high value, low trust. That's what blockchain solves. That is what blockchain solves. And if we're trying to break the trust aspect of it, then what are we doing? Also, like the thing I always bang on about, and I banged on about until it's blue in the face about uh, with um, Prop 16, is like this FTX thing is the fucking, this is now, regulation is happening. It's going to happen in a big fucking way now. Well done, everybody. You fucked it. Uh, everyone at FTX, that is. They fucked it. And the best thing is those fuckers were regulated in the first place and they fucking played fast and loose with customers fiat currency effectively it's not even all the rest of the other shit all the DeFi degeneracy all the ponzi shit the thing that we got fucked by was the fiat on-ramp which is absolutely mwah, deliciously fucked but like the thing that drives me crazy is that every time you are every time you recover a chain because of validator double signs you are just showing regulators you can do it. You are just showing that a chain is is not decentralized. This was the thing with the the whole modifying Wales wallet. The second you do that, the second you do that, proof of stake is compromised. And proof of stake in the cosmos right now is so compromised that like, I mean, as a business, we are actively in a position now where 
I suspect that within the next two years, the legislation will change in the UK such that being on a Cosmos chain is not a good idea because I think the regulator is going to take the position that it is not immutable. <laughs> I think that's actually what they're going to say. They're going to say, look, no, no, these are all run by foundations, which are companies, and it's up to you to have a non-criminal uh, or, or a legally tenable relationship with that foundation, right? And, and that's going to put regulatory pressure on us because if they're in the fucking Caymans, like a lot of these foundations are, then you are the one that tends, well, you, your company anyway, is the one that tends to be held you know, you're in a jurisdiction where you can be held liable, and I don't know, whatever. It's it's a it's a fucking bugbear of mine that anyway. But um, I've no, we've still got a bunch of comments, so I want to try and uh, get through. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. More. Uh, how is it that we've got like five viewers that everybody is commenting? Um, so, uh, Sporty had another comment saying permission closed source Cosmosm contracts makes makes the gov prop to upload it seem like a farce. Yeah, that's kind of hard to Ooh, that's uh, a great point. deny. That's a really good point. Um, thoughts on Stargaze names? I think Null must have replied to that. I don't think that they're, they're not live yet. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a. I think conceptually similar to the DNS DENS uh, name service in that they're NFTs, but these are Stargaze NFTs. Um, a lot more of the work is on the uh, the auction mechanic and that sort of stuff. So the the big difference between that and DENS is that if you sell or you have your name recycled every year, it's kind of like having an email with a custom domain. If somebody can buy your email off you next year because you forget to renew it, then you get owned, right? Um, and that's like a bit of a problem for any downstream services that want to use a name service is that if the names are being constantly recycled, it's very hard to actually build verification on top of them um that's that's i'd say the major difference uh, other than that they're both nfts under the hood um, which again makes sense with stargaze right i want to um, chime in just a little bit there with the nfts i find it really interesting that so many of these decentralized name services still have like subscription models of every year you need to renew it that seems very contrary to what it should be and i appreciate that dens does not do that yeah, that's kind of was kind of the idea from the start. And I should say, actually, I actually managed to get some code written today. And the thing that I was writing code for is version two of DENS, which is essentially the conversion to being a, uh, or the beginning of the work for it to become a proper DID provider where the it has claims attached to it that are verifiable proofs, i.e. they've got a public key with them. So the first version of this was just having a um, key-based style pgp key but that's basically evolving to actually be properly co-located keys so that should be cool when it happens um and that will make it pretty different somebody asked a question about ibc domains i have i haven't seen the source uh, ironically i've seen the the ui for ibc domains but i don't get how it's different to dens i don't get how it's different from stargaze names it looks the same to me um having a meta name that's not the the Beck 32 is not, that doesn't mean anything. That's just metadata. So you can constitute it however you like. Um, DENS just does that. It's human readable. But as long as it's globally unique, it doesn't really matter. Um, Sporthy says, uh, I might be missing something, but can't the contract 
IP be protected by strict licensing for usage while still keeping the code open source? Yes, but only if you trust all the people around you to not infringe uh, your uh, the license, which you can't in this space. There are too many anons. Stargaze, most of their code is open source, but it's not open license. And that's true of quite a bit of Confio's code as well, for reference. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. Um, and any okay oh well, we're nearly at the end of the comments uh ftx help uh, so ben davis says ftx help my no coiner colleagues understand why blockchain self-custody is a good idea i think that's a really good point and that might end up being one of the positive corollaries of this whole fiasco right is that people might understand that the hack well i don't think the regulators are going to understand and the newspapers aren't going to understand but the hack happened at the most centralized point of the whole ecosystem. And that feels like the takeaway to me. Unfortunately for people on the outside looking in the understanding of sex, dex, self custody, um, you know, custodial stuff doesn't mean anything to them. They're just words that go over their head while they're reading an article. All this has done is lost trust in crypto and it'll take a long time to get it back. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I would say that even most of us don't fully understand the, the magnitude of what self-custody is. I mean, if, if you just say that, for example, that your mnemonics actually, like you never actually own your coins. They're like, your mnemonics don't unlock your coins. You just kind of get like a magnifying glass into your wallet and control it through that. That's really what's really happening. You don't actually have any ownership. It's it's a weird kind of meta discussion. But anyway, so. But uh, yeah, I mean, to my my point is is that to like ninety percent of the population who don't know about self custody tokens, all they know about is what's in the news, and that is that you know FTX was hacked or whatever, and now all of crypto is fucked because of it. That's all they see, and that just loses trust in in crypto, and that's you know hard to get back when it's taken so long to get this much trust in the first place. Yeah.